Come on. How good is that? That's how we're meant to feel in God's presence. We feel alive. We feel connected to people. And I encourage testimonies in our church every week because a testimony is a prophecy. Prophesies to people that there's hope. And I feel that at this time, particularly with the elections coming up, that we need to be carriers of hope. We can't, we can't be the gloom and doom guys. We can't be the people that are negative, as Isari said that in her message. We, we have to be the people that are proclaiming the future and uplifting the country with our words because words create worlds. Words are very powerful. Words are very powerful. So I know that God's changing us and, and changing our language. Um, and he, we are hope-filled people. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in this nation. I'm now Australian, other than when it comes to rugby. <laughs> I, I remain a steadfast supporter of the, the Sharks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember ever supporting them when I was in Durban, but I, I had to emigrate to become a supporter. <laughs> I don't know what's with that, but I love, being in this, I love being back in this country. We came back to plant a church, actually. That's why we came. And uh, a young couple came from, from Cape Town to Australia to be part of a... Uh, a church that happened to be our landlord. So the landlord, this uniting church, said, you must go up to Jubilee, and, and they, you know, you, these are your compatriots. Go and have a, have a visit there. So they started coming to our evening services and getting really touched by God and, and activated. He's a very, both of them are, 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 are prophets and very high seers, seer gift. And uh, so they became really activated, and, and, and one, one day in one of Izzy's uh, teaching sessions, as she was teaching the psalmists on the different kind of songs of the Lord that there are, you know, the many different kind of songs, a tall angel came into the meeting, uh, African angel, looking angel, and said to him, simply, Africa's calling you back. They wanted to stay in Australia. They loved Australia. They, he, he wept when he heard that because they have two young children. He didn't really want to take them back to South Africa. And uh, he wept. And, but the, the word of the Lord was clear. So when they said that, they want to plant a church in Cape Town, we said, we'd love to get behind you. And so we had them in our church for three months, mentored them, trained them, got behind them, and they started their church on the 5th of November last year in Fishhook, out of a wood that Izzy prophesied over them, uh, because Cape Town's a big place, like Joburg, you could pick any spot, everyone, every place needs more churches, amen? And so they found themselves in this little uh, theater that was a church, now it's a, a theater, kind of cabaret center in Colk Bay, and uh, what was interesting is that he, he needed to do a conference, so this time last week we were in Cape Town doing a conference, an encounter conference with all our friends from over Cape Town, Hout Bay, and we've been there many times. And uh, the Dutch Reform Minister offered them their build, their, his building. And I thought, oh, yes, that's great, because like me, he, he, his name's Pierre, he loves the whole body, and so he joined the local fraternal and let them know what his needs were. And this guy offered his building free of charge. Anyway, on Monday this week, he went and met with the guy and they talked about how the conference went and although he asked for no money, Perry still took up an offering and gave them money for the building. And he said, how's your building 
search going because the, the little theater is not entirely suitable. It's right on Cork Bay. There's no parking because it's a popular tourist spot. There's nowhere for kids because it's just, it's just one little building. And uh, he said, well, we're still looking. And he said, well, I might have a church for you. So we've got a church that's run out of people. It's empty. It's, it's almost empty. It's like down to 20 people from 300. It's in Simonstown, which is not far from, from Fishhook. And uh, come have a look. So he went on Monday, had a look. It's the, it's the church where the national anthem was written, and which is amazing because the church that we're in in Sydney is the church where the Australian national anthem was written. Come on. And the Dutch Reform Church wants to, wants to give it to them. I mean, they'll know in two weeks' time, so I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn, but they really want to. They first had to check out whether they were a cult. <laughs> so the chairman of the board met with them on Monday and said, do you believe these things and those things? What do you believe about that? And, and, and so uh, Pierre said to him, do you know the song Jabalani Africa? So the guy says, yes, of course, you know. He said, well, our, our apostle wrote that song. <laughs> I wrote the song just to get them a building, really. That's what I wrote that song for. <laughs> I knew it would come in handy somewhere down the road. <clears throat> What's amazing about this country, though, is that there's such an openness to, to God and the Holy Spirit. You guys don't realize it because you live here, you become familiar with the fact that so many people are, are Christians and so many people are open to the gospel. That I want to encourage you because I got on the plane, when I landed a week ago, or two weeks ago now, um, and we jumped, we'd been on the plane you know, flying for 14 hours and in airports probably for 16 hours and uh, jumped straight on a plane to go to Cape Town and so it was late at night, and I'm sitting there, I can't really sleep, I'm in between that twilight zone of exhaustion and, and just can't wait to get into a shower. And on the TV above me is, is a, a show, like a segment comes on, and it's got subtitles, so you don't need headphones. And it was a man speaking at a business seminar, probably a five-star hotel stage, an interviewer, and he's giving the, the, telling his story. And it turns out he's a business person who was Zimbabwean, and 20 years ago he ran a number of successful businesses, had his own plane, traveled the world, hosted people from all over the world in Kariba, and the government that then trumped up a charge against him and said uh, that he had killed a tourist. No body was ever produced, but he ended up in jail. And it was a 13-meter by 3-meter cell with 78 men. So he, was, he had a 33-centimeter spot wide, just wide enough for a folded blanket. He lay on that blanket full of lice, and the men had to all turn at the same time. Think of that, being a successful businessman, flying the world on your own plane. And then you're sleeping in a cell with 78 men. He said for the first two years he was so angry and so bitter and vengeful and feeling so heart, heartbroken. And he said then one day, he, and this is the, I'm just read, reading the script. He said, I gave them to the Lord, these guys, 
the government and all the people that had, you know, mis put him in jail unjustly. He forgave them. So his first point in his talk to all these business people was forgiveness and giving people to the Lord. You know, in Australia, we'd never have that. He was there for another eight years, by the way. But he said, I was free on the inside. <laughs> so he was like asking all these people, Who, what jail are you in? I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's a good word. Why I share that story is because there's such an openness in this nation. I've never seen a show like that in Australia. If people are Christians, they keep quiet. If people are Christians and try to speak about it, it will never get televised. It's always the bad stuff, the weird stuff, the pedophiles, the Catholic this, that kind of story. They love to splash that kind of innuendo against the church. So you must take advantage of the fact that you're in a nation where there's extreme violence, extreme poverty, also extreme grace and hope. And you guys are the carriers of that. So don't hold back your faith. Like as he said, the presence of God gets into you so it can get out of you. You are each carriers of hope. Every day, you must dispense hope. I felt earlier on when I was walking around praying for people that there's some people here who are very prophetic. But you, and you're waiting for someone to tell you that you're a prophet. Or maybe you already think you're a prophet. But you, the church hasn't yet acknowledged that. It doesn't need to. Most of your gifts need to operate outside of the church building. No one needs to, be, to know that you are who you think you are. Because every time you give someone a word, a treasure, because it, it doesn't take rocket science to pick up faults in people. There's a grumpy person. There's a person who's got, been betrayed. I can see there's a person who's divorced. It doesn't take discernment to pick up those things. It takes real faith to pick up the treasure. And when you give words without saying, thus saith the Lord, and shaking and speaking in King James English, just in a normal way, you're prophesying. And you might never be called a prophet. You might never have a title. You might not even do much of it in church. But why are we waiting for church to activate us? Why are we waiting for a position in a church to make us active? You guys are touching thousands of people between us every week that need to have a love, need to have a handshake, need to have a smile, a short word, pay someone's bill, pay for their groceries when, they, when you see them looking for money and they can't find money. Just do those acts of kindness. I, I was telling two weeks ago, we had a lady uh, get up to testify, and she's, she's a childcare worker. That's her full-time profession, and a beautiful woman. She was on heroin when she grew up, and she had a horrific childhood, adopted, and all sorts of things going on in her life, and she's restored. She's a courageous, beautiful woman. She dropped into a parking lot just two weeks ago, drove up, and a car pulled up next to her. Her window was down, and this elderly lady's window was down, and she turned to her without cognitively thinking. She just said, how are your knees? How are your knees? The lady looked at her and said, how do you know? And she says, I'll, I'll tell you. So they get out the cars, and the lady walks over to her and says, I've, I've had two knee replacements, and I'm on my way to see my orthopedic surgeon right now. Uh, how do you know? She says, well, you know, Jesus knows everything, and I'm always talking to him, and he just wants you to know that he knows. Can I pray for you? No, I've got to go. <laughs> but you know, this is, this is the joy of life, that people are vulnerable to, to God, and they're vulnerable to love, and love 
Love is the whole message. Signs and wonders aren't the message. Love is the message. Last week in Cape Town, we, we had this day conference, and Izzy was on the piano ministering and singing prophetic songs. It was so beautiful. And then I just started walking around praying for people as I did this morning and yesterday because God loves people. That's what I was just doing what Jesus was doing. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Love the snorters. And, and I wandered over, and, and I thought, I know that lady. Where do I know her from? You know, you see her face, and I've ministered in every, nation, every city in this country, really, mostly, over the years. And I think, I don't know who you are. Are you from Cape Town? Are you from Hout Bay? Are you from... And, and I went to her and prayed for her. And she's now an elderly lady, and I, she just got rocked. Man, she was smashed on the floor, rolling just getting touched by God. And I just released whatever I had and moved on, you know. And then when I had the testimony time, she came forward. And, and she, she said, she's retired from Johannesburg. She's now moved to Cape Town. She's living in this place where it's all Jewish people who don't want to know God and, and homeless people. So she feel, has felt hopeless. Anyway, she was walked up. She could hardly walk. As she walked up, she was swaying quite significantly. And she took the microphone and she said, I have felt so hopeless. And she, her leg keep going. Every time she said a word, her leg went up. I'm not sure if it's in the Bible. <laughs> but it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. <laughs> just, God, just God having fun. You can't make it up. She's in her 70s. Anyway, it... It was, it was Jill Ward, you know, from, from the, the Little Flock School here in Bryanston. And, you know, that, that day in God's presence completely changed her life. I mean, she's now fired up. She's on fire. She, came to, she was like just rocking back with God's presence. And just like many of you have shared your stories this morning, that's why we came, just to ignite you. We didn't bring something new. It's just something true. It's not new. I've been part of Moves of God since I was 15. I've seen God move all over the nations. He moves where he's welcome. And there's hunger. And he's moving today because it's your fault. <laughs> it's entirely your fault. You came with hunger... And you said, God, please, touch my life. Fill me up. We know if the fizzies come, something's going to happen. So you came with faith. And it's your fault, Liesl. It's your fault. Because we, our hunger, God loves our hunger. He meets us where we're hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Say filled. And when you're filled, you get filled. And then you leak, and you get filled again, you, get, you just keep getting replenished, and God wanted to replenish you because there's new moves of God coming, and we're part of that. It, it might not look like other moves, it might look like the past, we don't know, but it'll always leave people more filled with hope, more filled with love, more feeling secure, 
morphing like, I can take this world. I've got this crazy, violent lion inside of me. I can do this. Amen. That's how it should leave us. The word of God always encourages us. Always makes us feel like I can do it. That's why I don't like gloom and doom. Because it doesn't take, you, you can read the news for that. Amen. <laughs> so open the paper. But if you want good news, you've got to come into the courts of the king. Because he's going to be telling you good things about your life. Good things. And so the church is thriving. This new church plant, it's called Relentless Pursuit Ministries, RPM. And uh, this young couple in their 30s that are leading this church, I went there on Sunday. We had their, uh, my first Sunday service with them and Izzy singing and prophesying over 50 people that have gathered from every tribe and language. We've got people there that are unemployed and people that are millionaires, all sitting together at the courts of the king. Every culture. I remember being so moved as Izzy called out a man who I would think would be in his 60s, an African gentleman, beautiful eyes, just such a fierce love. And she, she prophesied the key of David over him. And, and she was wearing a key at the time. And so prophetically, she took it off and she put it around his neck. And he didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Clay doesn't wear a lot of jewelry. You know what I mean? And, 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 but he was so profoundly moved because he, and, and Izzy doesn't know anything about him, but he works in the townships and in the, the gang lands there in the, in the Cape Flats. And he's had to run for his life. He's had to hide in, in, in school buildings. He, he's a security guard. And he's seen terrible things and has to endure being robbed and beaten. And, and he has the, the love of God ministering to the Son of God in this soil. That's what the kingdom's about. Amen. And God reigniting people who'd lost hope. I've met people there from Hout Bay who've seen the moves of God over the years and just kind of run dry. And God just reigniting them and saying, it's not over. It's not over. The best days are still ahead. Oh, yeah. Just before the service started, I was just mingling with people uh, because I love people. I don't hide in the wings in the green room and then just come out, you know? <laughs> I actually like people. I want to meet them. I want to hear their story. And so I see this good-looking young couple, kind of funky hairstyle. You know, everything's got gel and fizz in it and a bit of highlights. And I thought, this is really interesting. And little toddler. So I sat down, maybe early 30s, and I said, hey, how are you guys? Where are you from? What's your names? And they said, oh, we're from France. I said, that's interesting. How did you get to be in, in Cape Town? I said, no, we're missionaries. I said, how did that happen? And so this girl lean, leans into me and she says, well, my sister Chloe came to your church for a couple of years. I said, really? In Sydney? Yes, oh, of course. I know Chloe really well. Beautiful young girl. God came to our church, just got smashed, oh, full of the Holy Spirit, out of control. One of our village drunks, just always... Always over somewhere. Anyway, her visa expired, so she had to go back to France. And she went back to her church full. And it became awkward because the, her, her church wasn't sure what to do with her. The visions, the dreams, <laughs> the encounters. <laughs> and so they had to leave that particular denomination. And, and so they used to meet in a home and watch our services online because we, we, we live stream all our services. 
And she said to me, three years ago, we were in a meeting, uh, in watching your service, and God was moving, and you were speaking about South Africa. It's not something I speak about frequently, because we're in Australia, and we, but we do pray for the nations, and I don't know what was happening in that service, but she said, as you were ministering, the glory of God hit myself and my husband, and we felt God calling us to South Africa to minister. I said, wow. And so she said, here we are. <laughs> You know, God is doing stuff, man. He's sending missionaries from France to South Africa. <laughs> yeah, let's praise him. That's good. <laughs> so, I just want to make this a legal meeting. <laughs> I need a tissue or two. Yeah, just give me a box. Our church is like that. They just bring a box up to the pulpit. Yeah, Finney's going to need that. Thank you. And our church send their love. We, we, we love you guys, and we spent a whole, we have a, what, a, what we call an airborne or a hop and bowl kind of meeting where we pray and prophesy over the nations every, every week. And last Saturday, before last, we just prophesied over South Africa. So many songs about the sound of the land and the kingdom of heaven and transformation. So, come on. Uh, so I'm reading from Ephesians, <clears throat> and I'm reading from the Passion Translation today. Ah. From verse 25, chapter 5. And to, to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure. Until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. <laughs> That's how the Lord is ministering to his bride. And we are the bride. This is called Arise and Shine. And so I'm talking to you today about the beauty that you have as the bride of Christ. Because when we are beautiful and we know we are beautiful, when we realize that, you see, when you look in the mirror, you see the flaws. You see the, the spots, the wrinkles. You see the imperfections. And you might have a few friends who might help you to see those imperfections. And so most of us are actually more aware of our imperfections than our perfections. That's why the Word of God comes to wash us, because the Word of God is always reflecting the fullness of Christ in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That, that he, he, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have been made in the image of God. We have to be reminded through the prophets and the voice of the, Lord, the, the Word of the Lord to remind us of who we are. So we don't slip back into old practices. So we don't slip back into looking and nitpicking and finding the fault and finding the, the, the imperfections because the body of Christ is imperfect. We know that. When I first joined Rob Rufus many years ago in his church and, and, and my father said to me, so have you found the perfect church? I said, it's a perfect church. I said, the worship's amazing. People getting saved every week. This and that. I told him all. He said, well, then don't join it because you'll spoil it. <laughs> It wasn't a perfect church. 
Jubilee isn't a perfect church. 24-7, not a perfect church. Whatever church you're part of, it's not a perfect church. But it's a beautiful church. It's a beautiful church. It's a beautiful church. I love the church so much. Jesus said he'll build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I've given my whole life to building the church, the beautiful church of Jesus Christ. And I love it when God comes and moves and sweeps among us because he's making us beautiful. And I just can't get away from this briefly because it starts off, it gets onto the church, but it begins with husbands and wives. I can't get away from the fact that if you're married here today, your marriage is important to God. Your marriage is important to God because it's part of the, the, the reflection of Christ and the church. And for many years in ministry, I was, I was so earnest for God, so wanting to please Him and please the people that were, I was serving, that I was available 24-7 to everybody around the world, traveling to India, Mongolia, Singapore, the United States, Europe, everywhere, 22, 24 countries available all the time, Hong Kong, to go and minister to the, to the, to the church. But you know what happened while I was doing all that? I was neglecting the wife of my youth. I was doing God's work and neglecting the, my first commitment. So we've had to go for healing. Not her, me. To get, to, to get forgiveness and to help heal the wounds that I inflicted on my wife because I was, I was more in love with the ministry than with my wife. It's getting very quiet in here. <laughs> and it can be business, it can be children, it can be whatever. The, the idol can become. But our first love needs to be our first love. And if our marriage is good, everything else will be fine. God wants us to have good marriages, happy marriages. He wants to have, us to have great sex lives. Did I mention that? It's important. It's part of the way God designed us. Why is there so much smut in the world? It's because it's, he, the enemy wants to take what is pure and holy and make it muddy. When God created that special place, that intimate place, and it's part of worship, it's intimacy, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a defilement of what God intended in the holy place, the sanctuary. Come on. So I want to encourage marriages. Make it a priority. Fall in love again. Have some fun. <laughs> because Jesus loves his bride. But husbands ought to love their wives like Christ loves the church. That's, that's a pretty intense commitment. And I used to think I had to love Izzy because I'm a man. I don't know if you've noticed that men are different to women. Like, seriously different. Like, Izzy has an anointing for shopping. It's an anointing. It's like, we'll go shopping with her, and she's like, let's try this on, try that on. I said, that looks great. Buy it. Because as a man, if it fits, and I like it, I buy it. But no, Izzy wants to see what else there is. So we go to a few more shops, we come back. Two hours later, 
We come back to exactly with the, the same dress. I said, buy it first time around. But you see, that's the beauty of diversity. We're not the same. And I wanted to love her like, like I want to be loved. We've got different languages. We speak different languages as a couple. And I've had to learn her love language. If you want to know what your wife's love language is, ask her. She'll tell you. <laughs> and then speak that language. Learn her language. Fall in love again and again and again. You know, we can, we can fall out of love. If you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. And it, it just happens subtly. It happens, it happens just gradually. It doesn't happen overnight. God wants our marriages to reflect the faithfulness of the Father and the love that He has for us. Last October, I had the great joy of marrying my oldest daughter. Oh, it messed me up completely. But I remember when we got to dance, and I got to dance with her on this dance floor. She had the first dance with her, her new husband, Luke, beautiful young man. And then I got to dance. And I felt the love that the father has for his bride. And I danced and we danced just so together. Even as she was about to go and be cleaved to her husband. And I thought to myself, I have to tell the church how much the father loves the bride. Because he loves us. He's dancing with us. He is preparing us to be a radiant church without spot or wrinkle. If we'll just take the time to dance. That's why we linger in worship. Why we lingered last night and we lingered again this morning. And I've got to commend Jane and her team. Last night's worship was some of the best worship that I've been in anywhere. I've been in a few meetings <laughs> in my life. And just hearing the songs coming out of Courtney and, and Connor, just beautiful songs they're writing. Unique, musically, theologically. It's good theology. I was watching. Mostly from the Bible. <laughs> but I was moved, you know. And it, when we get moved in the worship, it's because that is the Lord loving us. We want to get moved by God. God is emotional. I loved, as you said, he's not, what did you say he wasn't? Volatile. He's emotional. He weeps, he laughs, he gets angry, but not sinfully angry. He gets angry at injustice. When you feel angry about something, it can be just anger. And it can galvanize you into prayer, it can galvanize you to help the poor. I was chatting to Mark earlier, and they, he, he's been working in the inner city with homeless people, and more recently with prostitutes, 100 prostitutes that they love. They take them for meals, and they wash their feet, and give them, and pamper them, just like Jesus would. Come on. This is, this is the Lord loving our nation into wholeness. So our churches are healing centers. People are coming in, broken. Messed up by the world. People come in with all sorts of backgrounds and stories. Just a few weeks ago, we've had a whole rehab center join our church. I didn't know who these girls were. I saw a whole row, like about 
12 women. I don't know, so until I've got to meet them and find out their story. They, they drive nearly an hour and a half every week. They come past hundreds of churches to get to us. They live on a farm. It's a rehab center. There's horses and some, they, they, it's an intense Christian place. They follow Jubilee. They're going to get healed. So they're a bit rough and ready. Izzy's heard in the worship <laughs> some of the language, the colorful language that goes on between them. Effing this and effing that and just all sorts of things because they haven't learned to behave because they haven't, they haven't learned to belong yet. But this one woman said to me, can I, can I give a testimony? I said, of course you can. She gets up. She says, last week, I wanted to kill myself. And then someone prayed for me. And she said, I've had the best week of my life. I'm like, that was a good day at the office. You see, we're rescuing people from hell. We're rescuing people from not just hell, it, eternal hell. We're rescuing them from today's hell. Some of them are living in hell already. And we have a chance to rescue them from a hell on earth. It could be an addiction. It could be brokenness, some sort of calamity that's come upon their life. We are that outstation rescuing people from hell. And what a privilege to live in that place. Amen. I want to read to you as before I finish from, I don't even know what the time is anymore. 25 to 2. <laughs> I'll read, for, for, read from Song of Songs. I'm reading from the, the Passion Translation, just so you know. I'm going to read from both the NRV and the um, Passion, just to give you some comparison. Chapter 2, verse 4 says, He brought me to his banqueting house, which is the house of wine. That's what the Hebrew is, the house of wine. We should go there frequently. <laughs> Otherwise, you end up grumpy. The house of wine should be a place where we frequently visit. Otherwise, we become religious. This, this Enchia, um pastor on Monday was asking Piri, he said, look, what are you going to do in your services? Are the children going to run around? So Piri was like, he didn't say this, but he was thinking, I don't know, the adults will be. <laughs> I just said to him, sign a long lease before they get to see what you do in your services. <laughs> They'll have no idea. <laughs> and his banner over me was love. Say his banner over me is love. 
That's it. That is the gospel. He, he brings us into his banqueting house, his banqueting table. He brings us into the house of wine, and his banner over us is love. My beloved, this is verse 10, spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. For the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time or the season of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love. Arise and shine, my fair one. Come away. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. The winter is past. The time or the season of singing has come. You know what we have the power to do? You'll be surprised. You have the power to change the season in your life. I meet people and they tell me, I'm in a season. I, I'm, I'm in a dark season. I'm in a, I'm in a wilderness season. I'm in a dry season. And I understand that's true for you. How long will you stay in that season? You see, because you can shorten the seasons. You can change the seasons. Jesus was able to change the substance of water, molecularly, to the substance of wine. He was able to change the molecular substance of a body and give a person new eyes, new, drum, new eardrums. He was able to change things, risk, resurrect people from death to life. That's the power that God has. Surely we can change a season that we're in. Otherwise, we can accept sometimes a bad season. We can accept a dark season. We can accept a season of, of, of brokenness or a season of poverty when God always intended us to be healed and, and come through. I'm not trying to condemn you if you're in a season that's difficult, but don't stay there. Start to announce the season of singing has come. Begin your morning with a song. Begin your morning with a dance. Begin your morning with lively music. Change the atmosphere in your home to reflect the new season you're wanting to be in. Change your, your, your confession because words create worlds. Create a world around what you want to be in God. Create a world for your church, how you see yourself being. Not where you are right now because Jesus looked at Simon. And, and Simon means a reed tossed to and fro. And he says, you are going to be Peter the Rock. And, and like I'm sure his, his neighbors and friends, and maybe he even thought, you don't know me. I open my mouth and change feet. I'm a, I'm a volatile person. We know that was Peter. But, and Peter didn't change straight away. He still blew it a few times on the way to becoming the rock, the foundation of the church. Come on. But you see, sometimes you have to say and repeat the things that are coming as though they were. He, God is the God who calls those things that be not as though they were. Because if we, kill, if we keep saying, oh, people in our church aren't generous, that's what you'll get. People in our church don't tithe. People in our church, they don't prophesy. We don't pray for the sick in our church. You'll get that. Have a good life. <laughs> we'll get what we say. We'll get what we confess. But if, if we say, our church is on fire. You might be the only person in your church on fire. You can say, our church is on fire because I'm on fire. Our church is very prophetic. 
Our church is so generous. Man, we have enough to give to the poor. We've got programs for this. We're building and putting up a new building in the future. When? I don't know. In the future. The future is looking good. It's looking good. You see, how you see the future is what you will speak into the future. And so prophetic people don't need to see what there is. We know what there is. It doesn't deny that, the, that things are tough. It just denies the reason for it to stay that way. We don't have to stay how we are. We have to proclaim the hope, the future, the, the potential that there is. When we got to Sydney, we were, we were burnt out. We were actually, we started a church burnt out. We didn't know it. Because we were told that, you know, cowboys don't cry. You know, that when the, when, the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> and, and so we, we got into this place where we weren't in a good place, but we didn't know it. So we were just spinning wheels. We lost all our money. So for, for having tithed since I was the age of 17, we lost everything. And I'm like, Lord... I thought that you were meant to rebuke the devourer. How did we get devoured? He didn't answer it. He just said to me, save it back. Don't moan. Firstly, forgive the person who caused that loss. Everything we, we owned, we lost, except our furniture, just our money, all our savings, our life savings. The home, the dream home that we built in Kloof, near Pinetown, we lost that. Yay, yay me. I thought, I know people that's happened to. It'll never happen to me. It happened to me. Is it fair? No. Was it someone's fault? Yes. It wasn't mine. Do unjust things happen to just people? Do bad things happen to good? They do. But you see, I thought, one number one is he said to me, we've got to forgive him. I had his number. I phoned him. I said, look, I want you to know that I'll never hold this against you. He said, how much do I owe you? I said, I told him the figure. He said, oh, okay. I've never spoken to him again. He didn't pay me back. But because I forgave him, God could pay me back. And I don't know why I lost that money. I don't know why it, it went. I have no idea. I don't have any legal answer to you. I didn't give the devil a foothold. I wasn't in any secret sin. I hadn't done anything wrong. I was living above reproach and working hard for God when I lost that money. As a Christian, as a leader. <laughs> and then Izzy said to me, you know, we, were, we moved to a house, a rental property, and Izzy said to me, write to the owner, he's an Anglican priest in, in Melbourne, and ask him if he ever wants to sell the house, will he first give us first offer? And I liked, I snickered, a bit like, you know, um, Isaac's wife. <laughs> like, what would we buy it with? We got, we got $50, you know? Because at that stage, it was worth over a million dollars. In 2001. <laughs> so, I said, I listened to my wife. One of those few times that I got it right. And I wrote to him and told him who we were, church planters. And uh, he phoned me. And then God said to me, save that money back. I'm talking to you about restoration. I'm talking to you about God is faithful. If we keep our hearts pure, if we don't become bitter, if we don't blame people, blame the pastor, blame my mother, blame my father. I don't know whose fault it was, but it doesn't matter. They asked Jesus, whose fault was it that this person was born blind? It's the wrong question. How do we get him healed? How do we get the money back? 
How do we grow the church that we've, that we've lost this and that? How do we, that's the question we have to ask God. Come on. We, we, we bought that house. Come on. We give God all the glory. It was a miracle. God restores everything. The season. Declare the new season over your life, over your church, over your family. The season has changed. It's a good season. Rise up. Then he says this. This is the groom speaking to the bride, his church. Your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. You see, we find it easier to sing to Jesus. Your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. We, lo- we, don't, we have no problem with singing those songs to heaven. And we struggle when someone stands up and sings, your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Your voice is sweet. But that's what the bride needs to hear. This is what the prophets need to be prophesying over the church. Not, come on, come on. When did you last tarry one hour with the Lord? And you feel, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I can't remember. And so you feel condemned. How does that motivate you to prayer? Except that you pray without ceasing. You pray when you're shopping and you pray for the person. You think, I don't know. I, no, I probably did pray today for an hour. But just not from start to finish. Thanks. I thought it was quite good as well. (laughs) Chapter 4, Song of Songs. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. (laughs) There is no flaw in you. And you see, we we hear that, we think, wrong. Because we see the flaw. We see the spots. We see the wrinkles. We see the imperfection. We see the religiosity. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying to you today, the church in Johannesburg, you are altogether lovely. You have stolen my heart with just, with just one glance. Imagine that we steal the Lord's heart with one glance of our eyes. When you sing in your language, in English or Sutu or Zulu or Kosa or, or Afrikaans, the Lord loves it. If you sing in tongues, He loves it. You steal His heart with your song. <laughs> it's just me or does that sound pretty good? That we could steal the Lord's heart. You see, when you think about that, you just fall in love again. You think, oh Lord, I can, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I can run and not grow weary because the Lord renews our strength when we're in love. You see, when you tithe out of the law, you tithe out of obligation. But when you tithe because you're in love, you tithe out of overflow. When you serve God's people out of obligation as a servant, you get tired and weary. When you serve as a son, in the house, washing people's feet because Jesus said we can wash each other's feet, we can serve. You, you serve with energy and you serve with joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, when you serve and give from love because you're in love, you'll do anything. You'll do anything. You'll crawl over cut glass to get to a destination 
when you're in love. I just think the church that is arising is the church that's in love. Because Jesus is always in love with us. But religion often prevents us from experiencing how much, how much love He has for us. And so I feel today was opening up those fissures and opening up our hearts because we've wept, we've laughed, we've, we've God touched our emotions because God's emotional. <laughs> he loves his bride. He loves his church. He loves African music. He even loves country and western music. I say it because I was quite, quite a, 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 a musical snob. Not from a classical point of view, that's Izzy's family, classical music, Izzy's dad, joke, he's a, he's a famous cellist. He was like, Finny, Italian stock, a gentleman, you'll like this, John, is someone who can play the saxophone, but doesn't. And then he recorded an album with Darius Brubeck. But, you know, I was a snob, and I always thought that country music or that kind of thing was, was a little bit inferior to the kind of styles of music I loved. Until I, my son started writing kind of folk rock music. And I thought, this is beautiful. This is from heaven. You know, because actually every genre belongs to God. He loves the music that we love. It could be pop music, it could be dance music, it could be house music. Our friend Magnus, he, he, he started a church in a basement, underground, literally, with turntables. That was their church. Their worship was turntable music, house music. And God loved it. People were getting saved. And the church exploded and God was moving. I'm like, yes, please, whatever. He loves sucky, sucky music. I think. <laughs> That's not in the Bible, though. <laughs> when Jesus was on the cross, he says these words. It says in John 19, 28, Jesus knew that his mission was accomplished, and to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting nearby, so they soaked a sponge with it and put it in the stalk of hyssop and raised it to his lips. When he had sipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And we know that. It is finished. Everything is paid for. It's done. It's complete. That's what that phrase is. Except in the Aramaic, the word kala is a homonym which is, just means the sound's the same as, it's, it's the same word, also means bride. So at the same time that Jesus was saying, it is finished, he was also saying, bride. <laughs> and you are that bride. You're the bride of Christ. You carry his beauty within. The bridal garments that we wear are the robes of righteousness, which are our inner beauty. It's our belief system. 
that we believe we are the righteousness of God. We're not trying to be. We're not working towards it. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And our outer beauty, our garments of praise. That's why I love God loves worship and we love worship is because it's, it's we're displaying our outer beauty. I was filming you guys dancing around like crazy people because I want to show our church at Jubilee African worship. Come on. It's our outer beauty. Dance. Worship before the Lord. Display His splendor. It reflects, it, it, it brings Him glory. And it, what it does, it, it brings us joy because of His presence. As you spoke about the throne that's built when we worship. Amen. Are you encouraged? Me too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful African bride in South Africa. Thank you for the, each testimony, even the testimonies that we didn't get to hear. We want to give you glory, Lord. We want to give you glory. And I pray for every church, every local church that's represented here, Lord, that each of us that are carrying this beauty and love won't go back to our churches and say, you should have been there, you should have. No, we'll just carry the beauty. Our, our prophecy will be prophecies of love and treasure and honor. And we'll love our neighbors and love our co-workers and love the strangers that we stop to love on the way to work. And just carry the beauty well. And so I bless every local church that's here today to increase to grow more beautiful as the bride of Christ and to reflect Jesus' glory even more. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you so much, guys. Come, let's give Finia just an honoring.